good to be back today. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the most overlooked truth. That's what I'm calling this, the most overlooked truth in hearing God's voice, right? Uh, so that's the title of today's uh, topic. And I'm ready to preach to a live crowd. I'm not really a teacher. Some guys are better at teaching. Some guys are better at other things. Sitting down and talking, I'm ready to stand up and go, right? But, but uh, today I am going to cover something that I think is, is super important and the most overlooked truth of uh, of hearing the voice of God, and I thought I would use a guitar to do it. And and here's um, there's his pick, awesome. So back when I did play the guitar, back in the older days, we didn't have all of these phones and technology. But um, so I've got a uh, if this thing is sp- supposed to work as it's if it's it's supposed to work as it's supposed to. Let's see. This is a Gibson Sunburst. What year is this thing, Zach? 2015. So, so it's uh, it's not wanting to pick up. Um, let's see. Here we go. Let me try something right here. Um, there we go. That's what I want. So if you take this guitar on these tuners, hear the difference? I can go sharp, and that's that's just now. Let's have a little fun with Zach's world. Let's just go all the way down. Make it, make it really hard on Zach, right? There you go. Go fix that, big boy. Um, so here's your pick. Don't forget your pick's about to drop. There we go. So let me tell you, there's a reason that I, I wanted to use that auto tuner there and, and show you all of that. And, and it's because there's a, there is a, um, there's a phrase in an old hymn that the Lord really used for me uh, a few few weeks ago, and, and uh, I, as I was doing a, a, one of my devotions, and it's, it's a song called Come Now Fount. And in the first line of that song, here, I put the lyrics on the screen for you. It says, come now fount, speaking of God, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Tune my heart. And Today, I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you about the tuning of, of your heart. And, and what I mean by that is when I'm talking to you about the most overlooked part of hearing the voice of God, um, we're going to talk about the tuning of your heart. And, and, and here's kind of how I wrote it down. If you think of a sound wave, t- the tuning of your heart is the pathway to his voice, right? The tuning of your heart is a direct line both ways to his voice, the tuning of your heart is the pathway to his voice. Now, usually every summer, you, you may not have noticed this. In fact, I'd be surprised if you did. But every summer or every late spring, early summer, I tend to do a series, two, three, four parts, five parts, on how to recognize the voice of God. And the reason I do that is because I believe, A, we have a speaking God. God is a speaking God. And he, he, he is a, an audible God. And, and, and yet, I don't know of anything, including that Christians struggle with, including me, I don't know of anything that all of us struggle with more than identifying, is that God talking or is that me talking? And it's the hardest thing in the world. And, and yet, there's a, every time I do a series like this, if you haven't noticed, you will notice, I'm always going to include this topic that we're talking about today. I'm going to talk about this issue of your obedience. Because I believe it is the most paramount issue 
when it, and it's the most overlooked issue about resolve. If you want to hear the voice of God in your life, there's one thing that you have to nail down and that you have to nail down that you are going to obey. God won't speak to you until, until it's about issues of obedience. If he knows you're not going to be obedient, don't expect to hear his voice. Now, if he chooses to speak and not saying he won't, I'm saying it's very rare. You have to nail down pre, pre-issue, pre-circumstance, before the trial, before the foggy, before the issue comes with your kids or with your job or with something at school, you have to already predetermine, whatever God tells me, I'm going to do it. doesn't matter what it is. You must resolve obedience. So I want you to turn in your Bible this morning to the, new, uh, to, uh, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 14. Now, I'm, I'm using the uh, New American Standard, if you're on a digital version, New American Standard. Matthew, Mark, Luke is the, is the gospel that we're going to hear this morning. And you're going um, to, I put these on the screen for you just so you could uh, follow along if you didn't happen to have a Bible with you at the moment. Uh, Jesus said, now, verse 25 uh, is Luke's recording this, and uh, chapter, 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus is, is addressing a crowd. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and his wife and his children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now that's going to, first of all, let's just stop right there. That's going to sound like a very harsh statement. Obviously, he's not saying that you should hate people. It's a comparison metaphor. And he's saying you, you have to, because he even includes his own, your own life. You, it's, a, it's about your loyalties. And he said, verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends out a delegation and he asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Man, that is a... Uh, those are some strong, strong words, aren't they? Pretty pretty cut and dried, really. So you're thinking, well, now wait a minute, Jason. This verse and this passage of verses, um, it doesn't really have a lot to do with hearing the voice of God. Actually, it has a whole lot to do with hearing the voice of God, but let me tell you about how you interpret the New Testament. This is, this is obviously is a passage about discipleship, uh, hands down. Nobody's arguing that. It's, it's, a, it's about, it's about your, all the things about your loyalties and your possessions, and I, and I get it. But I'm gonna, I want you to understand that this passage has a greater context when you look at the New Testament and something we're about to read from the book of James because it has to do with a, a, a monotheistic heart. 
one God, a heart for one God, not a divided loyalty God. And so I want to help you connect the dots. And you're going to see that, you know, when, we, when you go to interpret the New Testament, you need to look at the whole of the New Testament. And so that's what we're doing this morning in, in one way. And this is what kind of came back to me about the tuning of your heart. Because the tuning of your heart is the pathway to hearing His voice. The t- your heart's the pathway to His ear. And that tuning has to be in alignment with each other. And uh, I want to help you connect the dots. It made me think about the Karate Kid. You know, that recently came back out. I think it came back out last year. I didn't go see the, the new one. I think it's set to come out. Anyway, I think it's, it has come out. But the original Karate Kid, which I was, uh, I think I was in middle school when that came out. I remember Ralph Macchio is sitting there with uh, Mr. Miyagi, and, and, and he gets really mad. Ralph Macchio, the Karate Kid, gets really mad. And there's a scene in that movie where he's just yelling at Mr. Miyagi going, all you're doing is making me wax your car and paint your fence. And you're making me do all this work. I think you're just getting free labor and you're not teaching me karate. And Mr. Mr. Miyagi realizes that Ralph Macchio is not connecting the dots. And so he all of a sudden starts throwing punches at him and wax on, wax off, and uh, painting the fence. And, and he's like, oh, I see where that's all been going. And, and he finally connects the dots. Well, this morning I want to help you connect the dots as to why this issue about your alignment with God has everything to do with you hearing God. So when you look at this passage here, let's break down this, this, these things about, about your your discipleship heart, your, the molding, the tuning of your heart. And the, I would say that the first key truth is uh, that God wants me to be resolved about where my loyalties reside, right? God wants me to be resolved about where my loyalties reside. And let me, let me so if you, look in, if you look in verse 26, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, obviously doesn't hate his own father, mother, sister, brother, and hate even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So, so God, God is very much concerned about your loyalties. If you want to hear the voice of God, you know what you really need to do? You need to audit your loyalties because sometimes they can be pretty sneaky. You need to audit your relationships. And In fact, I would say, remember, the pathway to his ear is the tuning of your heart. Your heart is the pathway to his ear, and those have to be in alignment. And if you, so if you want, Jesus said, if you're not in alignment with me and me only, in other words, he's saying, you know what, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to share loyalties is what he's saying. So I think if you're having trouble hearing the voice of God, one of the things you need to do is you need to audit your relationships. And you need to ask yourself a question, who wins? As a general rule, who, who wins when it comes to your relationships? And here's what I mean by that. When you look at, at who wins, think about your money versus the kingdom of God. When, when you're in a pinch, who wins? Does the situation win or does the kingdom of God win? Because situations tend to expose loyalty, right? Think about your kids. Every time you're confronted with a situation or a decision in your family, who wins? Does the situation that's best for your kid in the moment win? Or does the kingdom of God win? when, When it comes to making decisions about even what your kids participate in, 
does, does the spiritual component of the kingdom of God win first? Or does what makes sense and what's best for them right now, does that win? You need to audit that because that's going to show you where your loyalties are. I tell you, when you're under pressure, here's a great filter. Ask yourself, what's my default? When you're under pressure, ask yourself, what's, what's your default tendencies? You know, even, even for some of you that are older, you know, my age or older, who comes first? Do your parents, does your, does your mom at 80 years old or does your, does your mom, you might be 30 years old, are you always seeking to get the approval of your dad? Even if you go out of your way and it's hard, you, you, you got to understand, where do your loyalties lie? What, when, you, when you're under pressure, what's your, what's, your, what's your default? Every time you're under pressure at work, are you willing to neglect your family? Because in the moment, it's better to preserve your job when your job could go at any time. See, God wants your divided, undivided. He wants your undivided loyalty. He wants that for you. I'll tell you another area that Jesus is pointing out here, and it's in verse 27, is that God wants me to be resolved when my faith is under pressure. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time right here, but God wants you to be resolved when your faith is under pressure. Look in verse 27, when Jesus brings up the cross. This is another example. He says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What, what does he mean by that? What he means by that is that, that literally uh, your faith is going to come under pressure. It's going to be squeezed. So when somebody was issuing, this, this statement doesn't mean a lot to us in 2020, take up your cross. Let me tell you, in those days, let me put that in a modern-day example. Anybody that's not willing to be executed for me is, can't be my disciple. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. So he's saying when your faith is under pressure, you better not back down. When your faith is under pressure, you better not back down. Jesus even went so far as to say, don't be afraid of those that can kill the body. Be afraid of the, be fr be afraid of the God that can send your soul to hell. And so, so the, these are not easy sayings from Jesus, you know, and, and they're hard, but they're, they're truthful because he's telling you there's coming a day when these things are going to happen to you more and more and more. So, so God also wants you to take, he wants you to, when it comes to your resolve to be obedient to him, I would also say God wants me to be resolved in areas of ownership. You say, what, what, do, you, what do you mean, Jason, in areas of ownership? Well, look in verse 33. This is something that really hit home with me a few weeks ago, just personally studying it. Jesus said, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. And you know, it made me even think about my own life and not just like material things like my vehicle or my house. It made me think of the non-material like my own will. Like I possess a will. I possess a will. What I want to happen. If I'm not willing to give up my will and the possession of it, I can't, I can't be his disciple. The issue here is alignment. This whole passage is about alignment. There's a, there's a, there's a quote many years ago. I'm, I'm about to show it to you in a second. There's a quote that I read. Oh, man, it's been well over 10 years ago. And I read it from a, a Spurgeon sermon. And I have, I have thought of this. I have quoted it many, many, many times to people that are going through things where God is squeezing things out of them. But 
I, I wanted to put it all on one frame. Typically, I would make this larger so that you could see it a little easier, but I wanted you to see the whole context, and I think it's going to be broken if I don't show it on one, one uh, frame here. But let me tell you something. This, this is a powerful statement, and it's right in line with Luke 14 here about discipleship. Here it is. Those who serve God must serve Him in His own way, and in his strength, or he will never accept their service. That which man does, unaided by divine strength, God can never own. God will empty out all that you have before he will put his own into you. He will first clean out your granaries before he will fill them with the finest wheat. The river of God is full of water, but not one drop of it flows from earthly springs. God will have no strength used in his battles, but the strength which he himself imparts. I want to leave that up there for a second. That's a deep, wide, and big statement. But what always gets me in that statement is that third paragraph. God will empty out all that you have before he will put his own into you. And friend, I want to tell you, my experience following Jesus since 1990 has been that, that Spurgeon is prophetic. That God's not emptying you because he's angry. God's not emptying you because he's having fun with it. God's emptying you because you, it is critical that he owns all of you. Because the, the pathway to following him and to hearing his voice it is your heart. It is your will. It is your emotions. And those have to be aligned. It's all about alignment. So when you think about the Karate Kid, right? When you think about Ralph Macchio and Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off, Daniel Sun. When you think about that, I'm going to help you connect the dots to a bigger question. And that question that you've probably been asking yourself about Luke 14 is, Jason, where does this go and how does it matter? Why does this issue matter to God? Why does this issue of my loyalty to God, the tuning of my heart is the pathway to his ear. Why does that matter? Why does my loyalty matter to God? Well, I'm going to tell you why. So let's connect the dots, okay? I would say it matters to God because a divided heart is ripe for idolatry. A divided heart is, is ripe for idolatry. And, and say, no, what do you mean? Well, um, if you haven't reconciled obedience, if you haven't, the way that you hear the voice of God, friend, is, is you, before the situation even comes up, that God already knows, you know what, before I bring this into Jason's life, he's going to obey. He's going to obey. And, and I can tell you, even with the way I lead Clearview, I have told the Lord, I tell him all the time, I will do whatever you tell me to do. It's your church. It's not mine. And, and I, will, I will do it. And that's, that sounds like it's great. Ooh, it's what a pastor should. I'm telling you, it's really hard. It's really hard at times. But I am going, we have to, you guys, all of us, we have to be resolved to be kingdom people or we're going to be out of alignment. If you want to, if you want to be a, a great series on idolatry, by the way, because let me tell you, idols are sneaky things. 
idols are really sneaky. And if you want a great series on this, we did a series. If you go to clearview.org and go to sermons, and you can pull up sermons by series. And if you want to pull up the series Unshackled, the Unshackled series, we dealt with idolatry and strongholds. And I'm going to tell you, you've got strongholds. And so do I. And they're hard to spot sometimes. So I would tell you that an un, an, un, a divided heart is a ripe situation for idolatry. And you have to have an undivided heart and a will. By heart, I'm saying your will. Your will has to be in alignment because the tuning of your will, the tuning of your heart is the pathway to his ear. And so how it really matters and why it matters most to God is, 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 is the second foundation I want to point out here this morning is that a divided heart is an insubordinate heart, right? A divided heart is actually an insubordinate heart. And this, friends, is the ball game when it comes. Listen to me. If, you, if you've been like eating a bagel and not paying much attention to something this morning, hey, I get it. But, but if, you, if you're going to listen to anything, hear me right now. If you want to identify the voice of God in your life, you cannot have an insubordinate heart. And that's what Jesus is getting at with Luke 14, that you have to be all in. I mean... Without question, you have to be all in to obedience. And so how do we connect the dots to the greater of the New Testament? Well, this is what you've heard me preach on many, many times based out of James chapter 1. Now, if you want to turn your Bible as you can, I've got it on the screen here. It's James chapter 1. But I want, you to, I want you to read this verse because everybody goes to this verse when they're wanting to hear from God. They all go to this verse when they want to hear from God. But this verse is a little different than you think it is because we missed the last part of this verse. And here it is. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it'll be given to him. So let me stop right there. If you want wisdom, ask for it, and you'll get it. But then there's a qualifier. It's almost a reversal in some ways. People, don't, people stop at, at, at this verse, and they don't read on. Read the rest of the verse. So if you want wisdom, ask for it. But you must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, I want to leave that verse up there for just a second. When it says in the second sentence that you must ask in faith, that's not about, oh, I just believe. I'm going. It's not an intellectual, it's not believing with God in your mind. It is faith without doubting, meaning I am an obedient person. If, in other words, let's think about Noah for a second. All right? Noah, as I've said before, was the village idiot. He was the village idiot. Oh, that's just the crazy guy that's building the boat, honey. Don't even worry about him. He's been building that boat for 15 years. Noah was the village idiot until the day it rained. All right? So Noah was resolved to be obedient when he didn't understand he didn't understand. Abraham, many times, was resolved to be obedient when he didn't understand. Jesus was resolved to be obedient even when he didn't understand. He didn't have to understand. He didn't put a qualifier on God, right? He didn't put a qualifier on God. So then at the end of that verse, it says that that man, ought, if you're going to do that, then you ought not to respect to receive any wisdom from the Lord because you are a double-minded person. Let me tell you what double-minded means. Literally, that word means two-souled. Two souls. Now, what is your soul? You hear me talk about the soul all the time. What is your soul? It is your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions. It means you have divided loyalties. 
And so the reason that God is not going to give you wisdom and the reason he's not going to talk to you and the reason he's not going to share his wisdom with you is he already knows you're not going to do it. Right? You're not going to do it. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody that they came... I guarantee you this has happened to you. Like you, you came to somebody, or somebody came to you, rather. They came to you, they wanted wisdom, wanted to go get coffee, and whatever, and it's great, and it's awesome, and you're trying to help them out. But you can tell by the look in their eye that they didn't come for you, to you for wisdom. They came to you for you to validate what they were already going to do. You were talking to a brick wall. You can tell by the look in their eyes, they're not hearing it. You can tell by the look in their eyes, they already knew what they were going to do. You ever done that? You ever, I've done that. I've even done that myself where I'm not really open to suggestions right here. Friend, if that's going to be you, don't expect to hear from the Lord. And, and so we have to ask ourselves all the time, what's, what is the posture of our heart? Because I want to tell you, God's not going to negotiate. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? God is not negotiating loyalty. He's, he's just not, not going to do that. And the reason that, that, that an insubordinate heart matters right here is because I want you to think about something. Think about who is Jesus. Jesus is the master, right? And, and in Luke 14, he was talking about the master versus the servant, right? Well, the master, stay with me, the master never empowers an insubordinate heart. The master, here in the verses, the master is never going to empower disobedience. He's not. He's never going to enable disobedience. The, the master is never going to be willing to impart wisdom to a student who isn't reconciled to follow it. That student's going to do his own thing. You ever seen anybody just going to do their own thing? Doesn't matter what you tell them, they're going to do their own thing. Well, if, if that's our heart toward God, then we're just going to do our own thing. We're going to, well, I, I just think that I need to do what, what stop. Don't even finish. You're, you're, you're already saying that your heart is out of tune. You, your heart is out of alignment. And so by James 1 standards, by the standards of James 1, if you have divided loyalties, don't expect to hear from the Lord. Don't, don't expect to hear from the Lord because you have no intention of being molded. You have no intention of being crafted in, the, in, in your will. And I want to tell you, it's the hardest thing in the world to be resolved to emptying yourself. It is brutal. It is, it is brutal. You know, um, I'll tell you where, I'll tell you where this really came from this passage spoke to me. And I thought, you know, sometimes as a pastor, God has a word just for you. And a lot of times it's not a word for your people. It's just a word for you. But if you think I'm immune to this, you're just wrong. You know, a lot of times you guys probably think when I'm up here on the stage and, and I say I struggle with this, oh, he's just being humble. No, I mean, you d ask Michelle. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm telling you straight up. I, I I, I'm not in heaven yet, man. I don't speak in code. If, if I struggle, I'm telling you, I struggle. And, and uh, a f several weeks ago, I was, I was kind of mad at God. Um, and it's okay to be, by the way, if you're ever mad at God, it's okay to tell him. I mean, he can take it. And, and I promise you. And, and I was frustrated. And I'm like, I'm not hearing your voice on this issue over here. I'm, and it wasn't some big earth shattering issue. I just couldn't hear his voice. And I got frustrated. 
And I basically was saying, and I, I pretty much told him in no uncertain terms. I said, you know what? Well, I'm at the dinner table, and I'm ready to eat. When you're ready to come eat, you know, I'm sitting here waiting on you. Is kind of was kind of my attitude. And that's a really good attitude to have with God. And, and, uh, and so I, I was frustrated because I, I just couldn't detect his voice. And I really wanted to hear about something specific. And, and, I, and I found myself getting frustrated with... And so I kind of I fasted for days and I, I, I did all the things I knew to do and, and um, uh, crickets. I mean, just crickets. I, I was getting nothing. And then finally, a few weeks ago, in one of my devotion times with God, you ever had a time where God met with you and you really weren't expecting it, like, I mean, it in ways you didn't expect? And, and boy, I, I, I read, I, I fell on this passage. And man... God overwhelmed me like in the most, uh, I, don't, I don't know, it was in a fatherly posture, but it also wasn't gentle. It was like the greatest form of love. Um, it was almost like what a, a, a mother, if you ever watch like a, 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 a female mother dog do to her puppies when they get out of line, She'll stand over them, and, and they'll, it's like, I'm telling you, and, and, and he, it, it, that sounds harsh. It wasn't harsh at all. But as, as I read over this passage, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, and, and, and this is what the Lord said. He, he, he's, he's like, you know, Jason, you don't get to choose how I talk, and you don't get to choose when I talk, and you don't get to choose the way that I talk. Because I was looking for God through a, through a certain way of communication. And it was just his way over my... And it was so, it was so what I needed because I, I had to realize... It was his way of telling me, hey, this isn't a democracy here, buddy. You know, this isn't a democracy here. It's not. And, I, and it made me think about the tuning of the heart. Because I had to fall under this. The tuning of your heart is the path to his voice. That's why I put it on the screen for you to see it. The tuning of your heart is the pathway to his voice. You know, Jesus prayed something in, in the book of John. He asked, in, I think it's John 17. Jesus said in John 17, he prayed for us as disciples, and he said that they, he, this is the verse right here. Look at what he says. He's, he's praised God. He's praying for us, by the way, that they may all be one, even as you Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. You know what he's praying for right there? He's praying for oneness. He's saying, God, I want them to be one with you and me because I'm one with you. He was praying for oneness because that's the pathway to his ear, unity, an, an aligned heart. So my question to you, friend, if the tuning of your heart, if the tuning of your heart is the pathway to his ear, the tuning of your will is the pathway to his ear. What do you do when you look at verses like this? Let me ask you a question. If you're having trouble right now, situation, maybe a situation is coming up, maybe something's going on in your life, it's, it's, maybe it's through work or friendship or relationship, or something with your kids, it could be something with a friend. Um, is, there something, is, there, is there something in your life that you're needing to hear the voice of God on? Let me ask you a question. Ask yourself. Ask yourself this question. At, when you look at this story, ask yourself this question. Is there anywhere I'm resisting? Is there anywhere I'm resisting? 
When, when I look at issues of loyalty, Luke 24, Luke 14, is there any place I'm being just resistant? Ask yourself this question. Am I trying to negotiate with God? Am I trying to negotiate what I want, what I think I need, versus what He knows I need? Audit your heart. Audit your will. Audit your emotions. If you're having trouble hearing the voice of God, it has to do, based on James 1, if you want to hear God's voice, it has to do with your willingness to obey even when you don't understand.